Our scripture passage today is found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 through 30. And our sermon title today is called The Cost of Salvation. This is the Lord's word. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser, your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his holy word. Good morning, everyone, once again. One more time. Good morning. Good morning. There we go. It's good to see all of you here. And as we just celebrated the, the welcoming of new members and sacrament of baptism, we took time to, to sing hymns unto the Lord. Uh, we took time even to, to give uh, words of repentance um, from our hearts. And it's this type of worship uh, that's pleasing to God a worship that centers on Jesus and magnifies his name. A worship that at times feels very uncomfortable to us because it's not readily applicable to what I'm going through in my life. But there's something sacred and pleasing to the human condition. When we see the transcendence of God and we see his power, his love, and the hope that he bestows upon us that puts our existence into perspective. One day, this earth will pass away. One day, we will be forgotten. But the Lord's grace and the Lord's love for you and I make each one of us significant in his eyes and significant in this world. We live for the Lord and for his glory. You know, many of us here, if I asked you, tell me about your great-great-grandparents. You couldn't even tell me who they were. I don't even know who they were. 
four generations, five generations ago. The world moves quickly. And yet the faithfulness of the previous generations to the Lord and his word, maybe we don't remember it, but God does. And that same God remembers you and loves you. And all the things that you do are of utmost importance to him because he is the one who made you. In our sermon today, in the passage we read today, I really want to sort of give you less of a sermon and, and more of a, how can we say this, a, uh, a devotional. We celebrated baptism and we celebrate the Lord's Supper as well. And this devotional is very simple. We, as God's people, must take sin as seriously as Jesus took sin. We love to hear that Jesus loves me. When we look at our children, we say, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, little ones to him belong. Yes, Jesus loves me. And that's, and that's beautiful. We even love, love the part where it says, yes, Jesus loves me, him who died. And we talk about his sacrifice and his, and his undying love for us. but we don't remember why he died. We don't think about the reason that he had to come down from heaven. And we forget to think about the human condition and how Jesus, the great healer, has healed us. Jesus in this, this, in this short passage talks about two certain sins. Talks about murder. He talks about adultery. And he's talking to the Pharisees, those who were religious in nature, those who went to church, people like you and I. And the Pharisees, and religious leaders of the day have done something that you and I tend to do all the time. We move the bar in terms of what is wrong and what is right. We move the bar in terms of what is acceptable to God and what is not acceptable to God. And Jesus wants to sort of get to the heart of things and say, the bar that you have set in interpreting the Ten Commandments about do not murder do not commit adultery is the wrong bar. But just because you have not physically killed someone, that you have not physically committed adultery against your spouse, does not mean that you are pure and holy unto God. This is an ethic that goes against the grain, does it not, of our, of our society today. But it's an ethic that Jesus teaches us. And do I dare say it's an ethic that although we don't apply to ourselves, we apply to the people around us. 
Jesus' bar goes deeper. He says, if you insult your brother, if you call someone a fool, that you deserve how he describes the hell of fire. That's not figurative language here. You deserve the deepest of punishment. If you say you fool to one another. And again, we like that. We project that to other people in terms of what they should do for us. But we forget in our hearts. We say you fool all the time to each other. And we might look at the people around us and say, you called me a fool. You deserve to go to hell. <laughs> that's, that's, that's how we are. But surely, you know, when I make a judgment on someone, my judgment's correct. Jesus saying that those of us who hold malice in all of us, that the punishment that fits the crime is not simply death, but the hell of fire, punishment. Now, the question for us is, do we agree with that? Do we agree with what Scripture is teaching about what we deserve? He says the same thing about adultery of well, as well. And in verse 36, he continues to say, for it's better that you lose one of your members than your whole body go into hell. I don't know about you, but every last being, every last uh, ounce of my being of the old self that lives in me wants to say, this is unfair. This is totally unfair. Living in a society where we have laws to sort of prevent extreme or sort of heinous crimes, we say, we've got to allow stuff like this. If we were to judge the hearts of people, we couldn't have a society. And that's true. But we're not talking about the rules of society. We're talking about a relationship with the God on high. And Jesus is saying very simply, all of us, do we not deserve hell deserve to be punished, deserve to be tortured for what we have done. And there comes a time when the Lord puts that truth in our hearts, when we realize that we have sinned not against people first, but against God, that the seeds of my wrongdoing against others is because I have not first and foremost, thought to serve the Lord himself, that the reality comes true.
And there will come a day at the end, in Judgment Day, when everyone's minds will be open. Your minds will be open, my minds will be open. And you will see that when God casts judgment, that his sentence is just. For our holy God, there deserves nothing but perfection in our holiness. And Jesus is so adamant about this that he tells the religious people of the day, and he sort of tells us as well, that just as extre- how extreme it is in terms of our, 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 our punishment for our disobedience, so should we be so extreme in wanting to obey God. Have you ever read verse 29 and verse 30 and, and pondered upon this? If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. How many of you guys would do that? For it is better to lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. How about this? And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. This is how extreme Jesus takes it. It's better for you if you take your life, if we take our lives seriously, if we know that the end game is either going to be with the Lord forever or in perpetual punishment forever, that we should do everything that we can to avoid punishment and to have fellowship with God. Take your right right eye out. I should see patches. There's no patches here. Cut off your right arm. You guys all have your arms. Is it that we don't take sin seriously enough? Brothers and sisters, our fight against sin, the heaviness of what we've done against the Lord should cause us to think about this in a serious matter. Parents, if you saw your child in danger, would you not give up all for their safety? Children, if you saw your parents in danger, would you not give up all for the safety of your parents? You, if you know your own life is in danger, Would you not cut off a member of your body to save your life? The sinfulness of sin, the penalty of sin, is a just diagnosis from God. But here's the good news 
And I think Jesus is kind of smiling when he says this. He's speaking a truth, but there's a little bit of a twist to this. You don't need to cut off your right hand, your right arm. And we don't do that in this church, okay? So if you're worried about becoming a member of this church, you got to cut off your right hand or pluck out your right. We don't do that here. You don't have to pluck out your, your eye. You don't have to disfigure yourself to cause you not to sin. Because it wouldn't help anyway, would it? But we know one person who did disfigure himself for you, do we not? We know that Jesus came down from heaven. The second person of the Trinity, who's never known anything but communion with God who's never known anything but familial relationship with God, the Father and the Son, who's never known nothing less than perfection. That when he came down, he suffered estrangement. Jesus, as we like to say in our parlance, he, he, he began to have daddy issues, family issues, trying to figure out who he was, why he was here on this earth. Did he really have to die? He suffered, but the words of people, the beatings of those who would mock him, and instead of you having to cut off members of your own body to disfigure yourself, not to sin, Jesus hung on that cross. was beaten, speared, disfigured, his body broken. And it's in that brokenness it's in that brokenness that's allowed you to be healed. In his brokenness you are healed. In your brokenness, in his brokenness, you are forgiven. In his brokenness, you are reconciled. This is why we're called Christians. This is why Jesus is our Savior. This is why we're here today to worship him. broken body of Christ and his death can only bring you fullness of salvation when you understand the fullness and the sinfulness of sin. How bad are we? will dictate how much we believe that the cross paid for. 
if you believe that you didn't murder anyone, you didn't commit adultery, that you're, that you're still a good person, Jesus' death will not mean that much to you. It just doesn't. But if you believe that you have committed adultery in your heart, that you are a mass murderer, then Jesus' brokenness will mean everything to you. Today we celebrate the Lord's Supper. We celebrate understanding that his body has been broken for us, his blood has been spilled for us. This is a strange ceremony. <laughs> Let me tell you, this is a strange ceremony. We're just, we've lived in the Christian world for so long, we've seen this in movies so many times, that it doesn't seem strange. This is strange. This is just as strange as the ancient religions when, when, they, would, when they would clean people and you would they'd make a pit, they put the person in, and to cleanse them by the blood, they would have a, a, a sacrifice on top and they would cut it open, the blood would spill all on, on top of them. Now that's strange, you would say. This is just as strange and incomprehensible to this world. This is a blessing that he's given upon us. For those of you who believe in Christ, for those of you who know who you are, your sinfulness, may the Lord forgive you, bless you, and give you courage. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to worship you. You alone are God. And Lord, we will be celebrating today communion where we as brothers and sisters can take together. But we ask of you, Lord God, to pierce our hearts with the understanding, Lord, of our sinfulness that we may receive the graciousness of your forgiveness and your love in our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.